I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 67 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I am Cam Lewis. I am hosting today with my good friend Paul Berthelow because Tyler Uremchuk is in Nashville on the Oilers Nation vacation trip because he doesn't like baseball at all. He went on a trip to Nashville. He watched the Oilers play the Predators. They won quite handily. He said, I'm not interested at all in watching baseball. I'm probably going to go wander around in the woods and search for meaning. So instead, it's me, Cam, and my good friend, Paul. Paul, how's it going? Going pretty well. I know Tyler's up too. I don't know why you want to miss baseball. The season just started. Like, come on, this is the best time of the year. Like, what are you doing? To be completely honest, I don't really blame him for checking out and already taking a break because we are seven games deep into the season and it's April. And it feels like it's September. It feels like months have already gone by. That was a extremely draining series in New York. It really was. Yeah. It had everyone said it's gonna have a playoff vibe and it, it really did. Like the every game felt really intense. It was really close and it was uh, it was fun. So all told, the Blue Jays went into Yankee Stadium and they took two or two from the Yanks, which is, I think, ultimately, at the end of the day, something you can't really complain about. I think we all would have liked to have seen them pick up the win in the final game of the series, take three out of four, make a big statement at the beginning of the year. But the team's still a little bit cold right now. Spring training was a bit short. Not everyone's at 100%. And the Jays are also dealing with some injuries. So going in and ultimately doing two and two. Not bad. So on that note, we will jump into three up, three down, which is brought to you by DoorDash. I don't have the ding dong noise, unfortunately, but ding dong. <laughs> yeah, brought to you by DoorDash. Make your own ding dong noise. Ding dong. <laughs> Promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users of the app 25% off with no delivery fees. So I'm just going to bomb through my three ups quickly. And Paul's going to give a comment on each thing. My first up is a very obvious one. It was Alec Manoa making his case to be the Blue Jays' ace. He went six innings, did not allow a run, only allowed one hit. The problem was four walks, but whatever. He worked around that with seven strikeouts. Alec Manoa, is he the ace of the Blue Jays' staff? That's a good question. I think he he loves the spotlight. He loves these big games. I mean, it's not about New York. He just he loves that kind of attention in those big games. Um, I don't know if he's the ace just yet. Um, maybe we can probably talk about Gosman's start. He was pretty nasty in the last game, but... I think Manoa, health provided, he's going to be one of the best pitchers on the staff for sure. Second up is, this is another guy who quite loves the spotlight, is Vladdy hitting three homers and also a double in that third game. That was an all-time good Vladdy game. He seemed to just brush it off and say, hey, it's just another game under my belt. I'm going to do this a bunch of times. 
I'm fucking amazing. Vladdy's game was just something else. Like those, those home runs that he was hitting the one Garrett Cole frozen on the hands, like 96 miles an hour. It looks like something you should just ground out to third base. He launches it like 430 feet. How does he do that? And all that after getting his hand stepped on too. I don't know how you get your hands in that tight to hit a ball that far inside the way he did. That was just, just absurd. It was truly but nuts. Like, I don't know what it is with Vlad too. Same thing. Like he's got two, three homer games, one of them off Scherzer, one of them off Garrett Cole. Like <laughs> they, they ever face the Mets in the world series. They're going to be laughing. They can chew up to Grom Scherzer, whatever. Like he's a big game hitter. I think that's, that's, that's what he's showing here. When he hits guys like Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer is just a guy that no matter how good your pitching is, Vlad, he's going to be able to tee you up. That's just who he is. And then another big game hitter we have here, which is my third up is George Springer shutting Yankee fans up. They were booing him the whole time. They were booing. They were they were booing when he came up to the plate. They were yelling cheater at him, which is really ironic because Garrett Cole's pitching for them. I understand Garrett Cole wasn't necessarily a part of the cheating thing, but he was on the Astros. And then they also have Marwin Gonzalez on their team. They were salivating over the idea of signing Carlos Correa, and they're still doing moral superiority with George Springer and the Astros thing. But Springer shut them up. He did six hits in the series, one dinger, two doubles, four RBIs. He was the offensive catalyst in the first game. What do you think about George Springer? Same thing. George Springer, he's awesome. I like I liked uh, his interview after the first game with Hazel. She's like, they only be with the good ones. And I think that's right. You know what? <laughs> he's got the attention because he he deserves it. He's a good player. He's just a star player who, yes, he was on the Astros, but I mean, I think, again, as you said, there's tons of Astros on that Yankee team now, so it doesn't make sense to be booing him for that, but he was safe, carried the team in game one without him. They don't win that first game. And he just, whenever he, he comes up to the plate, you expect him to do something, do something special. Speaking of guys coming up to the plate, I'm going to jump into my three downs now. My first one is there was cold bats in two other games. The Jays got shut out in the second game after they won the first. Oh, wait, no, they added a late run in the second game. It felt like they got shut out, but they didn't actually. It was a late run. So there was a one run lot. There was the one run in the second game and the shutout in the third, in the fourth game. So it was only one run between those two games. Ultimately, my point here is that there was a lot of cold performances from the bats. Bo Bichette went one for 19 in the series. Matt Chapman went two for 11, though. He did come into the fourth game and, and he did draw a walk in his pinch hit. And then Lourdes Gurriel went three for 14. It's not exactly ideal to only have really two guys kind of driving your whole offense. It was Springer and Vladdy, and there wasn't much after that in this series at all. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It's like even in the games they won, it was Springer and Espinal doing it in the first game, the only two guys who get hits. It was basically just Vladdy in that third game, and he got to have more than two guys going on offense. Or it's going to be a tough couple of runs. That's what it's been frustrating with these games is that this is a team built around offense. And you scored, you know, you got scored one run and two, two of the games there. You got basically got shut out twice. Like that can't happen with this kind of offense, this kind of fire, firepower. The other challenge you're going to have to navigate now, and this is my second down, is in the third game, Teoscar Hernandez took a mighty hack at a pitch from Garrett Cole, a mighty hack where he swung so hard that if he had hit that ball, it would have gone 500 feet. But unfortunately, it didn't hit that ball. And what wound up happening is he walked out of the batter's box holding his side after the game. He compared it to the oblique injury that he suffered in 2020. That wound up keeping him out for 10 games uh, right as the Blue Jays were making their sprint towards the playoffs in the shortened season. He's gone on the 10-day injured list again. Apparently, he says now it's not quite as bad as it was last time. What do you think is going to happen with Teoscar? Do you think we're going to see him out for longer than last time? Is it going to be the minimum 10 days again? Or what should we expect here? Because oblique injuries, they can be 
these things can be terrible, right? Like they can take weeks, if not months to heal. Yeah, they're also something that can kind of linger and you never know when they're going to be 100 percent. So, I mean, you always say you're hoping for 10 days, but I mean, you're probably thinking at least two weeks, maybe three weeks before he's back to 100 percent back healthy playing like he can. But we'll see. Hopefully he healed up pretty quick last time. So hopefully he can do it again this time. But they need to get him back and back in right field because that's a huge loss of the offense if he's not if he's not available for any length of time. That they do. And my final down is Yusei Kikuchi's debut. He was the fifth and final one of the Blue Jays starting rotation to pitch this season. And it was a pretty ugly outing. It wasn't as ugly as some of the outings we saw in the Texas series. But all told, it was three and one third innings, two earned runs on five hits and two walks. I thought Kikuchi looked very hittable. Uh, It just looked like the pitches weren't coming in too fast. They weren't really moving. It wasn't really hitting the spots. It just looked like the kind of start where a guy could get lit up. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. That is a uh, cutter is still slider there. And there's too much of the strike zone. Like he kept just thinking of one of the charts after the game and everything was all over the zone. I'm like, you're lucky that he didn't give up, you know, five or six runs there. Yeah. I thought his fastball was good to get good velocity. I think he was up again, the 96, 97 range, but he's got to throw more. I don't know why he wasn't challenging the Yankees, especially like up, up in the zone. I don't know if that's something he's afraid to do or whatever. What the issue was in that game wasn't the game plan, but, to see him maybe attack a little more because I think his fastball is pretty good and it's something he can locate. So. We're going to go through one by one and talk about how we feel about each of the starters. But first, I have to do a quick ad read on behalf of Twig and Berries. Up your look this summer by heading over to twigandberries.ca. Use the promo code NATION15 for 15% off your order. They also offer free shipping anywhere in Canada on orders over $75. So go pick yourself up a shirt or a pair of socks or a pair of underwear. I was going to say two, but that's not really necessary anymore. It's getting quite warm here. I think yesterday in Toronto, it was like 14 degrees, but it was very windy. It was very nice. But it is, uh, we're getting towards open roof season, I think, which is great because as fun as the, the dome can be, as much of a vibe as it can be when the roof is closed, it's so much better when it's open. Like it's, 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 it's night and day. It's not even close. No, it's not even close. Yeah. Anyway, so Twig and Berries, head over to twigandberries.ca, buy something, use the code. That'd be awesome. So we're now through the starting rotation one and kind of a half time. So we saw Jose Brios has pitched twice. His first start was an absolute disaster. His second start was a bit better. Gosman's been pretty good in both starts. He was okay in his, in his first one against Texas. He was, I thought, quite good against the Yankees. Hyunjin Ryu got yeah. lit up by Texas. Alec Manoa, as I said, looked like an ace, and Kikuchi also got lit up. So let's go one by one. And Paul, you can give me your thoughts on how the starters have looked so far, whether you're worried or not. Jose Barrios, his first start against Texas, he was only able to get one guy out. Just looked like he had the yips, couldn't get through it. And then he came out against the Yankees and was a bit better, but he still wasn't great. He still didn't look like an ace at all. Are you worried at all about Jose Barrios? Not worried about Barrios just yet. No, I think he's been tried and true performer in the past. He's been quite good for a number of years now, so I'm not worried, but obviously getting concerned if this happens a third time, he gets lit up again, that could be an issue. But right now I think he had short and spring training. He said in all spring, he was kind of just messing around, not quite going out there, trying different things in spring. So I wonder if he's taking a little longer just to get up to kind of game speed where he wants to be and might be what we're seeing. Yeah, that'd be my guess too. I said this on the last podcast that I'm willing to give the veteran guys all three starts. Um, after the third start, if it's bad, then I'll start to get anxious. So for Barrios, it was one really bad one, one okay one. If he comes and gets lit up like he did against Texas again, I'm yeah. definitely worried. If he does what he did yeah. against the Yankees in his next start, that's fine. We'll take it. You know, a five inning outing, 
allows a few runs, maybe allows a dinger, whatever, we'll live with it. The next one is Gosman, who I think his start against Texas was fine. It wasn't, he didn't look sharp. Uh, There was a lot of contact, but his start against the Yankees, he looked quite nasty. I'm not going to ask you if you're worried about Gosman because there's no (laughs) reason to be worried about Gosman, but what have you seen from him so far and what do you like? I think his splitter has been, was nasty against New York. It was diving all over the place or his splitter has changed up, whatever. There's been a lot of debate on what he's actually throwing, but that pitch has been, was nasty. It was diving in on, in on the hands and away from guys. It was nasty. I think that's exactly what we expected from Gosman. One thing from Gosman that I really like looking at his stat line here. So through two starts, he's gone 10 and two thirds innings. The thing you don't love to see is he loved 14 hits, but he's a bit more of a pitch to contact guy, but he hasn't walked a single guy yet. And he hasn't allowed a home run yet. Those those are ideal things when you're pitching for a team like Toronto, where you're pitching in a lot of Homer friendly parks against Homer friendly teams. Like I think going into Yankee stadium and not allowing a bomb is a pretty big win. Yeah. That's a huge one. Absolutely. That's tough to do, especially with that lineup. So then our third guy in the rotation is veteran Hyunjin Ryu against Texas. He was cruising. He, you know, through his first three innings, it was hardly any damage. Then all of a sudden the fourth, the wheels just came off all told he went three and one third allowed six earned runs on five hits and two walks while striking out four. It seems like since the midway point of last year, Ryu is a different pitcher. Like he came in in 2020, he was the Blue Jays MVP that year. Undoubtedly, he was the only guy who you could rely on giving a good start until they acquired Taiwan Walker. And in 2021, he was good in the first half of the year and the wheels fell off. It got to a point where in September it was like, geez, do we even want this guy pitching? And now here we are again. What, what engine for you are we going to get this season? What'd you see in that Texas start? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about Ryu because it just seems like a carryover from, from last season. I noticed when Texas started lost, he was pretty good. He was up in that 90-91 range, which was great. But again, it was, he was one time through the order and then the wheel fell off and he just couldn't escape the damage, which is concerning, especially for a guy with his stuff. Like it, He's going to give up some hits. He's going to get into some jams, but he's got to be able to, to limit the damage and not give up you know the three-run home run or those big six-run innings. We'll see what happens in his next start, but I'm definitely uh, a little worried. That's yeah. That's probably the pitcher among the big three veterans of uh, Barrios, Gosman, Ryu. That's the one that I'm definitely the most worried about, just based on the way last year went. I think I'm more confident that you know Barrios is going to get rolling with Ryu. It's kind of like based on the way things went last year. I really don't know. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for 2020 Ryu, but it's yeah, absolutely. We're all hoping for that, but we'll see. <laughs> and then number four in the rotation in my opinion, number one in the rotation is Alec Manoa, who, as I said earlier, put together far and away the best start by a Blue Jay this year. I'm going to ask you, I asked you before, I'm going to ask you again, at what point do we accept that Alec Manoa is the ace? What more does he have to do to prove that he is the best pitcher on this staff? Because I don't think you believe it just yet. I don't believe it just yet, but I mean, a couple more good starts in a row, I will start to believe. I don't think he's quite as good as Gosman or Burrios just yet, but... I mean, he comes out. He comes out here the good April, and I don't know. You went pitcher of the month in April or something like that, or the Blue Jays pitcher of the month, and maybe we'll start to start to believe then. But he definitely has the stuff for it, has the mentality for it. Gotta... I remember, I remember last season. It was it was in September, and when we thought the Jays were going to make the playoffs, we thought they were going to be in the wild card game. And I remember I was always thinking, if they get in, the one guy that I want pitching for them is Manoa. And this was over Robbie Ray, who wound up winning the Cy Young. This is over Barrios, who they acquired at the trade deadline. So I'm just all aboard. The, I'm all aboard the Alec Manoa hype train. And I think you will get there eventually. I'll get there eventually too. Yeah. I think yeah, if you're pitching a wildcard game, yeah, maybe Manoa's the guy. You're just, you're just taking a much more objective approach here. I'm very, I'm very, um, 
a very all-in fanboy when it comes to Manoa. I just love his whole energy on the mound. It's such it's such a breath of fresh air. It's oh so yeah, fun. he has all the vibes, all the vibes, all the vibes. <laughs> and then so number five, we kind of just talked about him as you say, Kikuchi. That was exactly a great way to introduce yourself to a new team. I, I, I personally just felt Kikuchi looked extremely hittable. It just seemed like his, I, I remember, I remember the one thing that got me kind of exciting, excited about this signing is I remember um, a game when Seattle came to Toronto last year and Kikuchi pitched against the Jays. And he was good. He looked dirty as his, his, like the Jays were just lost and confused. And that is nowhere near the start, the start that we saw against the Yankees. And granted, this is the first start of the season. I completely understand it's different than pitching in June or July, whatever. But he looked like a completely different guy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I, it wasn't a great start. I don't think it was that bad. It was like, two runs over three, three and a bit innings there. Like, if you're a fifth starter, I mean, hopefully with this offense, you expect them to, to barely out of a situation with that where they can hit hit their way through something like that. I'm like, okay, definitely wasn't the Ryu star where he's giving up six. Like if he gives you two, two runs over four innings, I mean, it's not, it's not ideal, but you can, you can make that work with the bullpen can, you know, can hold you and then you can hit your way out of that. But I think he's, I think it'll be better. We can change his pitch mix a little bit and get a little more command of his stuff and get it, you know, on the edge of the strike zone, not necessarily in the middle of the strike zone. Um, I'm willing to give Kuchi a couple more, a couple more starts here before I'm really start to, yeah, the panic or what too worried about him. That's kind of the key is we're not we're not jumping to extreme conclusions. The only conclusion yeah. we're comfortable drawing after one start is Alec Manoa. I'm I'm happy <laughs> <laughs> just going all in on that after one start. I don't care. Anyways, uh, so the next thing I want to talk about is Teoscar's injured, which sucks. The hope is that he's only going to be out for like ten days. That was the case in 2020 when he hurt his oblique, only out for ten days. That might not be the case this year. The situation's a bit different because now it's April and you're not going to rush a guy back as you maybe would, you know, with three weeks left in the season, right? So different situation. You might be with Oteoscar for two, three weeks. How do you replace that bat in the lineup? What do you do? Because the guys you have on the roster right now filling in the spot are Bradley Zimmer, who they just got from Cleveland, a former hotshot prospect who's never been able to hit at the big league level. He went over four in his first game and then Rymel Tapia, who, as we kind of saw, have seen so far, doesn't appear to be much of a hitter. No, I say I saw that bat last night from Tappy against the the Luki, the lefty for the Yankees. It's like like you never seen a lefty before. I was like, oh man, he was just he was absolutely lost. I was like, oh man, this is a guy you hope you could give you a decent at bat. But I mean, I think for now, I mean, you got to ride with Tappy and maybe give Zimmer some at bats in there and see. Like hopefully Guriel can pick it up and you can go Guriel, Springer, Tappy in the outfield. Um. I mean, I think Tapia, I still think he's an okay hitter. I don't know if it's a little bit Colorado effect. He just hasn't seen a breaking ball move in a couple of years. So I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, he's, you know, high contact rate, low strikeout rate. I mean, sure he hits the ball on the ground probably a little bit too much or way too much. But <laughs> I think you can give him a little bit of a run here for at least two weeks and, and, and see what you got. Yeah, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be an impossible thing to cover up. I think, like you said, the key really to replacing Teoscar's offense, you're not going to have a tap or a Zimmer come in and produce a 900 OPS. What you do need is for a different guy, like we mentioned earlier, like a Lourdes Guriel or a Bo Bichette or a Matt Chapman, one of those guys to get hot. And then obviously for Vladdy and George Springer to continue to remain hot. That's how, how I think you replace them. But then the other kind of thing I was thinking, the best bat on the 40-man roster that's not currently on the team is Gabe Moreno. He's made his uh, season debut in Buffalo. He's played two games. He's gone five for 10 already. 
And, you know, Danny Jansen's injured. That sucks because Jansen was off to a really hot start to the year. So losing him is unfortunate. Alejandro Kirk, perfectly fine backup. But Gabriel Moreno's in AAA just kind of waiting. Is this kind of a situation where, you know, Teoscar's out, you need a bat in your lineup. Should they call up Gabriel Moreno or do they have to just wait? Just pump the brakes and follow the plan. Not nah, call him up. I'm big time call him up. Yeah, me too. That, that, that's where I I'm at too. I saw way too much of Zach Collins. I think series could be could be something, but I mean, he what's he have four Ks and five at bats or whatever. Like, it's, you know, I let the Gabe Moreno come up here. I think say Collins look overmatched completely. I don't know that uh, Heinen is it Heinen. I don't think he's the answer really behind the plate either. Um, so let's get Moreno up here. Mind as well. There's no more service time manipulation. Like as long as he's, you know, healthy and showing he can hit, I mean, good start to Buffalo. So he looks like he's fine. Maybe a couple more games, maybe give him the weekend in Buffalo, but then yeah. Monday, let's bring him up. Let's, let's go. Like, Yeah, sure. Honestly, it works for me too. Like, like you said, no service time manipulation. So that's not even a consideration. I mean, it shouldn't be, but it's not anymore. So that's the thing. And it's not like they're really hampering his development. I mean, he hasn't played many games at the double and triple a level because he missed a whole bunch of time last year due to injury but Alejandro Kirk didn't either he jumped all the way up from what was it low a high a it was one of the two in yeah, 2020 from high a, from high a. Just, two jumped levels away. like yeah so there's uh, think, yeah. there's no reason that Mourinho can't come up at this point I think it would be a nice injection of energy into the lineup but I can see why they would wait they really want to get him they really want him to kick down the door rather than coming up two weeks into the year due to an injury and then going back down. I, I, I kind of think that if they call up Mourinho, the plan is, okay, we want to call this guy up because he's kicked the door down and because he's earned it and he's here for the rest of the year, not because, okay, it's the middle of April and one of our better guys got hurt and we got to replace him. That, that's what I'm guessing their logic is. Yeah, absolutely. I think they, they've accumulated all this depth in the air. So I think they, they trust that to be really to give them a shot. So they were expecting, they expecting everyone to stay healthy all year. So. Hopefully, you got enough guys to cover you. It's definitely ironic at this point how the Jays trade away Reese McGuire and Randall Gritchuk. No one complains about either of the trades. Everyone's like, okay, we're fine seeing these guys go. Well, it's these guys. It's Reese McGuire, the guy who jerks off in a parking lot. Oh, it's Randall Gritchuk, the guy who can only hit against the Royals. He grounds in double plays, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now, Oscar and Danny Jansen are injured, and we're like, fuck, I would love to see Reese McGuire and Randall Gritchuk <laughs> in the lineup right Yeah, I'd say Gritchuk and McGuire would look nice in the lineup last night. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that was some magnificent karma for all of us who applauded just dumping those guys <laughs> anyways. So that section brought to you by Twig and Berries. Looking ahead, next up, we have the Looking Ahead section brought to you by the Sports Closet. Head over to sportscloset.ca and load up on Jay's gear. Buy yourself a Reese McGuire Randall Gritchup jersey on sale because they are no longer on the team. Or get ahead of it and buy a Gabe Moreno jersey because he's going to be called up on Monday. Sports Closet has everything you could think of. And yes, they will ship anywhere in Canada. So go over to the sportscloset.ca and buy yourself some merchandise. So what we have next is the Jays are coming back home to face Oakland. It's a three-game series. And you see Oakland on the schedule, and you think of this team that totally blew it up over the offseason. They gave Matt Chapman to the Jays. They you know, traded away half their starting rotation. They traded away Matt Olson to Atlanta. They're a garbage team, but Oakland just took three of four from Tampa Bay. And outside of the one nine-to-eight loss, which was Tampa's only win in the series, the, the A's held Tampa Bay to two, two, and three runs in those three games. That is shocking. So maybe we shouldn't take the A's too lightly. 
that is very shocking. I thought Tampa was going to roll right through that. I mean, I thought Tampa had a nice, easy start with Baltimore, Oakland on the schedule, but apparently not. So I don't know. That's just the way they do it. I don't know. They always find a way. They're much like Tampa Bay, where they straight away have their roster and they bring in these new guys and they find a way to have success year after year. I don't know how they do it, but. They are the original Moneyball team. I mean, Tampa's kind of stolen that that kind of namesake as being the good Moneyball team. But you know, this is this is this is Oakland. This is what they do. And I mean, the offense hasn't really been a hell of a lot so far. Elvis Andrews is currently their leading hitter with a nine seventy seven OPS. Uh, Jed Lowry, another kind of random veterans hitting fairly well. Yeah, uh, so that's not going to last. <laughs> no, I don't think. I mean, another guy, another guy I'm looking at on um, Oakland's roster right here is Billy McKinney. He's back to where it started. And that's a guy who could most certainly hit two or three homers in this series against the Jays. But the thing I'm worried about is Oakland's pitching has been weirdly good. Shutting down Tampa's offense like that is pretty impressive. And the names that we're going to see are we're going to see rookie Dalton Jeffries going up against Ross Stripling, who's making a spot start on Friday. And then it's Ryu looking to bounce back from his really bad first start on Saturday against Paul Blackburn. And then it'll be Alec Manoa versus Adam Aller. Uh, Jeffries and Blackburn both pitched very well in their season debuts, whereas Aller got completely lit up and he had a Barrio-style start where he, I don't think, was able to get through an inning. So two of the three guys pitching for Oakland have been very good. One has not, but all told, their pitching's been good pretty much all season. So the Jays' pitching's going to have to be good again. And that's what we said coming into the New York series. It was, there isn't much room for error. The pitching was better. Let's hope it takes another step forward against Oakland. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Jays are fortunate they're going to miss Frankie Montas in the rotation for Oakland, so that's their ace. It's nice you're going to miss him, and a couple other guys are big good starts, but we'll see, right? Like there's nobody that special in their rotation. Again, even even with the, with our offense, even with the Tay Oscar out, they should be able to hit, hit anybody. So it's hoping they can go out there and I mean, I think they should be taking two or three minimum. I mean, you're hoping for a sweep, ideally, right? Um, the other storyline I want to follow, I heard on Twitter last night that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like seven guys not vaccinated on Oakland potentially. Seven? That's what I thought. Saw they're saying on Tampa seven? Bay Radio. Seven. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was seeing. So I don't know. I'm not an insider. I don't know. I'm not con- con- confirmed on that. But it sounds like they look quite a few guys that are, that might not be here. So that'll be really interesting to follow. Who isn't? Who isn't here? And you know, maybe why? Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, one thing I'm interested to know about is how does a team navigate that? Like, so those players when they can't come. Um, in the NHL, you get suspended without pay. And I would imagine a major league baseball, it's something similar to that, but how do the rosters work? Like how many, if you have seven unvaccinated guys in a 28 man roster, like, are you just grabbing seven guys from your 40 man to throw on your roster? Like how, how would that even work? <laughs> that's a, that's kind of what I'm wondering too. Like, you know, like we talk about the Yankees and Red Sox all the time, but they're only looking to replace one or two guys. I mean, seven, the big, that's a big number. I don't know that you have, that many guys is in AAA is going to bring up and chill in your roster for a weekend. It's going to be really weird to see what, how they do. And if you know, they end up playing shorthanded for a little bit for a game or two, you just a couple of fewer arms in the bullpen or a couple of less bench guys. I don't know, but it'll be very interesting to see what they do and how they, how they figure this all out. That'd be really funny if they had seven guys that couldn't come. So they had to operate with a 20 man, 21 man roster. <laughs> they only had like four relievers or one guy on the bench, something like that. You wind up having Billy McKinney catching, playing short, something absurd yeah. like that. Yeah. But like you said, the Oakland, despite the fact they did well against Tampa, 
is a team on paper the Jays should do well against. And anything less than two out of three would be a supreme disappointment because Blue Jays have a really hard schedule coming up right away. They, um, after that Oakland series, they're going to hit the road to face Boston. I mean, I don't think the Red Sox are the team that the record indicates they were last year, but still, I think they're a pretty good team. They're a playoff caliber team. And then playing in Fenway is never easy, obviously. And then right after that, they're going to hit the road and go to Houston to play the Astros, perennially one of the better teams in the American League, despite the fact Carlos Correa is gone. Still good. And then it's back home to play Boston and Houston again, and then the Yankees. So it's just, you know, five consecutive series against teams that are good teams that you, they don't roll over. So you'd like to capitalize here on Oakland, get some wins under your belt before you take on that fucking gauntlet at the end of April. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You got to bank a couple wins here. Cause it's going to be, that's going to be a tough, tough, tough sledding there with the, all those good teams. That's, that's three of the better teams in the league. Absolutely. So. So the hope for the Blue Jays is to come out of this above water because you get all these hard games out of the way at the beginning. It's a, slightly more easy schedule down the down the stretch i mean we haven't seen baltimore yet we're not going to see them in april so you're going to see baltimore like 19 times after april which is great so that's great yeah jays need to stay above water here and then they'll uh they'll get their easy games later on that's right all right did we did we cover everything is there anything else we want to talk about i think we've got everything there yeah we've got everything in the mix uh all right so just to wrap things up Podcast is always brought to you by DoorDash, Ding Dong, BJN, Pod DD is your promo code there. Twig and Berries, also twigandberries.ca, promo code there, Nation15, and Sports Closet. Finally, head over there and they ship anywhere in Canada. Paul, thank you for joining me. You're going to be at the Dome watching games this weekend. You're going to go enjoy a beverage. Have a good time. Absolutely. As always. That's, <laughs> that's what I like to hear. All yeah. right. Talk to thank you guys you later. Have me. Talk Best to you later. Wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact. 
A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.